get, get ready to go here. Of course, I want to share with you for a few moments about the obvious. I'm not going to miss the point here. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about, uh, about the resurrection. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and you know the rundown. Uh, in, in short, not to make light of it by any means, but Jesus was mocked, and he was, he was beaten to a pulp, and he was, uh, the curse was placed upon him. He was shamed, and he did all this on our behalf. He eventually was crucified. He died on our behalf, and basically, he did that so we wouldn't have to pay for our own sins. He went through a, he went through a can I say this, a hell of a lot, because it was literal, didn't plan that. Uh, <laughs> he, went, he went to hell itself, right? And, and, and he, he did a lot. Why? Because he didn't want us to pay for our own sins because that would literally take eternity. And you could literally never get away from that. And so he was able to, as a substitute on our behalf, pay for all of our sins. On the third day, he was raised from the dead, victorious over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. And he did all of this for us. Amen. Uh, today, I, I want to share along these lines, of course, along the resurrection, but I like to look at the results of what that produces in our life in real life. You know what I mean? I, sometimes we can approach this from an intellectual standpoint and just kind of go through the, you know, the arguments of eyewitnesses and all that kind of stuff, and, and I'm for that. I think that's good. But, but there's a whole um, truth to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus that impacts people beyond their rationale, beyond thinking, meaning, I don't know if I can wrap my brain around this, but I'm walking in it. I don't know if I can fully explain it, but look what happened to that person. I can't, I can't figure that out. Huh? It's real life, tangible experiences that we have with God today that really it's hard to find any other explanation other than to say, you know how that person gives all the credit to Jesus for their transformed life? You know how that person said Jesus healed them? You know how that person said Jesus took this, this addiction away? You know how that person says, I used to be a really rough rascal, and now I'm sweet and nice, and they say it was Jesus, it's hard to argue with it because you're, they're standing there in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I was, I was uh, and I love this, I love the fact that whenever you talk about Jesus, <laughs> whenever you talk about what he did, how he defeated death, how he was raised from the dead, he goes to work. The Spirit of God begins to prove that out to, to us in real, tangible, and manifest ways. You watch even, even as we're talking, it's already happening in this service. Jesus is saying, uh, yep, that's right. Amen. Good preaching. <laughs> we're just declaring what he told us, but then he confirms it. Then he makes it real. And, and, and we find that uh, like popcorn, things start going off in the, in the service and people start experiencing change. Depression leaving, darkness leaving, someone having problems in their, in their, with their breathing, in their lungs, in their breathing, been tight, been restricted. In this service, you'll walk out of here and you'll say, and you'll, <laughs> and you'll say wow, look at that. It's gone. <sighs> you, you'll feel like going for a run. Yeah. You watch it, watch. The power of God just present, manifesting. And uh, it, why? Because Jesus is alive. So how does that work? Well, it's because Jesus is alive. So how can that be? I don't understand that. I, I don't either. But he's alive and he likes to demonstrate it. He likes to show it in real life application of changed lives. You know how sometimes you, you, you drive around in the, 
in the, in the mountains, and they have a sign that says, watch for falling rock, or falling rock, and it's got like a, a warning, because, you know, you don't want rocks to land on your car, and be in the road, and so forth, and, and or some places you drive, and there's a, there's a sign there that says, uh, you know, deer crossing, or something like that, and you're, you're, you're watching out for things that are happening. I, I was thinking this morning that maybe we're, we need to put up a sign uh, near our entrance over here, a uh, warning sign, you know, watch out for miracles. <laughs> Why? Well, well, we just, just, a, just a heads up. I don't want people to run into things and not be ready for them. I don't want people coming in here thinking this is just religion. <laughs> I don't want people coming in here and thinking, thinking that this is some kind of phony baloney man-made uh, hocus-pocus waste of my time. I want them to know, hey, God is really among us, and they start looking out for stuff. What's going to happen? <laughs> Change life, miracle, answered prayer, victory, deliverance over here, and start looking for it. <laughs> and if they need it in their own life, they look at the sign and go, wow, really? Yeah, really. Amen. And so today, uh, kind of the way I'm approaching this is uh, I want to show you some real life examples from people in our, in, in our church that have experienced uh, the resurrection power of God in, in different ways. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone, but I do like to look at results and say, this person's life was totally turned around and transformed and rearranged. And they say it was Jesus. You know, that dead guy. <laughs> they say he did it. And I want to say, let's just look for ourselves. And if at the end of this we say, man, not only did he change them, he's working in me right now. I can tell his presence is real. It's like his, he's, he's in here thicker than the air. He's abundant as, as the air in this place. He takes up all the space. And any of us can access him at any time by calling on his name in faith. Amen. Let's go ahead and play that first one. I was playing in a Black Sabbath tribute band at the time, um, and I had had some scary experiences and some dead-end experiences with, with alcohol, with uh, things like smoking pot and stuff, not, not the hard stuff I did back in the 80s, but I was still chasing you know those endless roads. Um, I was trying to find my satisfaction in playing music and trying to get as much attention to myself as I possibly could. Um, the attention would wear off, you know, if you, I'd play music in front of what I consider to be a large crowd. Once that attention was gone, then I went straight to the alcohol because that's the only place that I really found any kind of comfort where I felt like I could convince myself that things were going to be better or be, you know, okay. But I, I was just totally broken. I mean, alcohol just wasn't doing anything for me anymore. It was, it was not even making me feel good anymore. Um, I felt like God was speaking to me in a lot of different ways um, through things that I'd see. I'd watch some Christian movies and some things like that, and a message would just come through to me, basically that God really just wanted me to come back. At some point, I just completely just sort of lost my desire to drink. It's not, it wasn't a 12-step program. It wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't willpower. Um, it was more of a miracle to where alcohol just doesn't taste good to me anymore. Um, I could drink it if I wanted to, but it won't, it, it, it won't have the positive effect anymore. It was like, like a physiological change that actually took place. I actually have a hunger for the Bible and the Word. Um, it's, it, the Bible has come alive to me more than it ever has before. It's not laborious. It's not an act of labor. 
but sometimes my life will just change just because of the fact that I spend more time in the Word and the rest of my life just seems to fall into place more smoothly. I don't have to try so hard. Well, what God's love means to me now, which has really impacted me, I think for the first time I really understand, I really got more of a feeling for what He, what he did for me personally. I've always known it intellectually up here, but I, I don't think I really embraced it in here so much. Um, I, I, it was, I became better able to accept Him as loving me, like truly loving me, and seeing me as God seeing me is, is how He sees Jesus, rather than seeing me with all my junk, you know, with all the sins, with all my past and everything like that. His love that I couldn't possibly even understand or, you know, quantify. Praise God. Amen. You know, something cool about, about Don's uh, story is, is he's serving here now on our salvation response team. And, and one day uh, he was up here ministering and someone came and received the Lord, received eternal life. And it happened to be one of the guys that used to deal drugs to him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so he was, you know, pretty happy about that <laughs> and, uh, and, and shocked in the same way. Never thought I'd see that guy again, especially here. <laughs> but here God is moving and doing amazing things. And, uh, uh, you know, so from drugs and alcohol to living and living for the praises of men to living with God, spending time in his word. It's a resurrected life. Sometimes people say, they think, well, people don't really change. People, they, they just don't really change. Well, he did. He's a different person now than he, than, 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 he, than he ever was before. When they run into Jesus, things start changing. Why? Because he's alive. And that same resurrection, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it totally is available for others to access and it will raise them to new life while living. Amen. I, I want to read to you a, a couple examples of, of, of how this worked in Jesus' life. You see... Uh, when Jesus started his ministry at about the age of 30, as we see in Scripture, you might think that everyone thought Jesus was wonderful, and everyone just embraced him, and everyone wanted to be with him, and, uh, and, and, and they all liked him. And, and certainly there were multitudes that followed him and came to his meetings and were you know, so very pleased and changed, and people were healed in, in, by the multitude of numbers, amazing things. But how many know there was a whole bunch of other people that didn't like him? They didn't like him when he started, they didn't like him in the middle, and they didn't like him at the end. And they're very vocal about it. In fact, regularly, they were trying to set a trap to kill him. I mean, how would you like that? Just, uh, I mean, irrational. He's saying things you don't like, but seriously, you want to kill him over that? You know, he's doing things that are helping people, and it's an, almost an irrational hatred. Whenever you see someone hated irrationally, you might wonder, is there a spiritual activity going on here? Is there something spiritual that's driving this, this irrational behavior? Yeah, but they were trying to kill Jesus. But how many know when, when Jesus gave his life, it wasn't because someone did it to him. Well, poor Jesus, he just, man, man, they hung him on the cross, and he just could do nothing about it. That actually wasn't the way it went down. Jesus went to the cross 100% as a volunteer. He went willingly. They didn't put him up there and he's saying, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. And yes, you, no, no, he went willingly. In fact, throughout his, his time ministering, like I said, they were trying to take him out. Uh, let me give you an example of, of this over in Luke chapter 4. 
Luke, the fourth chapter in the 28th verse. It reads, so those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. All right, the things they heard were some things Jesus had been teaching that they didn't like. So, <laughs> so if you're filled with wrath today, I'd be, I'd be in good company, I guess. Verse 29, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Verse 30, then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Now, that doesn't give us a whole lot of description. I I sure can't wait to see the video on this. Uh, I believe we'll be able to someday in heaven. Uh, uh, But see how this went down. But think about this angry, full of hate mob. Can't stand what Jesus is saying and doing. How dare he, you know, preach things and heal people and all that stuff. So they they, they get around him and and they, they carry him up to this cliff. And they're about to throw him off. But it's not the right time and it's not the right place and Jesus is not going down by force. And so think about that. Right in the middle of it, it doesn't tell us how it worked, but he just walked through the middle of them. I mean, I don't know. Can you imagine what does that look like? Is it... Yeah. Are they trying to grab him but can't? Is he super slippery all of a sudden? Or, you know, is it the... Here's what likely it is. It is the anointing resonating from his being and they, they, they're falling away. They can't get to him. The power of God is present and manifest on him and they can't do what they want to do. I like this. Because Jesus walked in this and, and uh, you know, some of these things are available to us today. But he, but he said, no, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm not going off the cliff, so sorry. And just walk right through the middle of them. Isn't that awesome? Uh, this, um, this was another situation. It's in John chapter 18. And this is a similar type of event. But this is right before he was arrested. Right before he was beaten. He was tortured. And he went to the cross. And so he was betrayed by Judas. And, and they, were, they were there coming to arrest, arrest him. Verse, verse 4 of John 18. Jesus therefore knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? In other words, he's not trying to get away now because he knows time's up. This is the time I'm going to give my life over to these, these turkeys. <laughs> whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I want that video, too. Yeah? What happened? Jesus said, I am he. And now, who's surrounding him? Soldiers, the rough, the tough, the trained, the disciplined, right? These guys know how to, they know how to arrest someone. They've got the gear, they've got the skills, they've got the brute force. They're there to arrest Jesus. And they, who are you looking for? I'm him. And all these tough, rough and tumble guys went, what did Jesus do? He said something. And the power of God was so manifest that it went out and knocked them all down. Someone said, where's that falling out in the Bible? Where's that people being fallen out under the power? There's another example right there. All right? But that's pretty awesome. So Jesus said, boom. And by the way, he wasn't running away. Maybe this is just a manifestation that reveals to us again, you guys aren't in charge. 
Meaning Judas, meaning the soldiers, meaning you guys couldn't take me if, you, if, it, if I didn't let you take me. I'm giving myself over. So after they, you know, got up off the ground and tried to figure out what in the world just happened, how did he just knock all of us down at once, right? And, and they're getting up and then he allows himself to be arrested. So Jesus is making a choice. He made a choice to give himself up. He was not subject to them, but he laid his life down. In fact, he said that of his out of his own mouth earlier in the same book in, in John 10 verse 18, he declared, no one takes it from me, meaning his life. He said, but I lay it down of myself. No one takes it from me. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. So I'm thankful. Not only was Jesus in control there, not only was he uh, in, in charge of what he was doing, but he made the choice to willingly lay down his life for me. Amen. Let's play testimony number two. Um, I've had dealing with thyroid issues for about 20 plus years. Um, my mother has Graves' disease, and at that time, they actually removed the thyroid at that time and so it is hereditary and I would say probably 20s early 30s things start happening which number one is your hair falls out and then um, there's a lot of fatigue there's a lot of just struggling to get day by day it's not very fun and so then you are on thyroid medication that you have to take continually throughout your life, every day of your life. At one point, I was um, too much medication, and it put me into hypothyroidism. And hypothyroidism, um, you are very lethargic. You are very, you can't move. You can't even think clearly. I went into a um, endocrinology, which is specialist. And uh, he goes, you know, he goes, you're a prime candidate for, um, it's called methumazole, which is to see if your body will go into remission. And he asked, he goes, would you like to try that? I says, well, yeah, I'm game for that. And at that point, um, I was on 10 milligrams every day. We came to Life Church, and for the first time, um, I learned about healing services that Pastor Mark was talking about. I really started praying and seeking the Lord, and, and I just kept coming back and kept coming back every Wednesday. About two and a half years ago, um, it seems like my world fell apart. My hair just really started shedding. And I finally went in, and um, he goes, he goes, you are way out. He goes, he goes, something's going on here. And I looked at him, and I says, I'm being healed. And he kind of looked at me funny. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, so I was on 10 milligrams, so I went down to 5 milligrams. We tried that for a while. And so I just kept quoting the scriptures, kept praying. And it's like, I am healed in the name of Jesus. And I just kept worshiping and praising him. And I kept my eyes focused on him. And so then a couple more weeks went by and everything. And I just kept claiming the scriptures. And I knew that God had done a miracle and a work in my body. And um, at one time I went in and I had called them to get the results. And, and they said that um, your T3 levels are completely normal. And... So to this day, it was January of 2018 that um, I completely got the results and I am thyroid free and loving every minute of it. <laughs>
Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Notice, notice some of the things that she did. Say, well, someone might say, well, if this is a result of Jesus being raised from the dead, then maybe someone said, well, how come I'm not healed? Or how come this person doesn't have the same experience that she has? Well, notice she took steps. Notice she heard about these healing meetings we were doing, and, and she came, and, and she, she kept coming, and she declared, and she said, and, and she would pray and say, no, I am healed in Jesus' name. She took a stand. What happened when she did that? She intersected the power of God. Why was that power there? Because Jesus was raised from the dead and now he fills the atmosphere with his love and his glory and his power. It's all finished. Anyone at any time can call on him and be forgiven just like that. And anyone at any time can call on him and be delivered and be set free and be healed in their body and be set free from darkness and depression and all the things that existed prior to Jesus conquering it all. It is just a fact that exists in the universe today. It is, a, it, it is, it, it is so, uh, it is so real. It's, it's almost like the air that we breathe. I mean, there is enough air in here right now for all of us to live comfortably and keep breathing in and out and in and out and none of us, you know, are struggling for a lack of air. You would have to block someone's mouth and nose and hold it until they passed out. And then you would say, well, what's wrong? There must not be enough air in here. No, you would say, they're just not breathing it. They're not accessing it. The resurrection life and power of God is, is more abundant than the air. It's everywhere. And when someone hears a word from God and they say, I'm going to have that. I'm, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to receive that. I refuse to live the way that I've lived for the last 20 or 30 years. I refuse to let that dominate me any longer. Amen. And then what Jesus did in that resurrection becomes realized, becomes experienced in day-to-day -day living. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 reads this way, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that resurrection power that brought Jesus out of that grave, you know what it did? It brought you out of the grave. It brought me out of the grave. That same power is here to resurrect us spiritually for eternity. And that resurrection power will affect our bodies, will affect our emotions. It'll get in all of our business to produce God's life in our lives. That's the way the Lord designed it. This was not just to be a day where we say, thank you, Lord, that you were raised from the dead. We say, thank you, that I was in Christ and I was raised up with you. That's when we experience the real deal. That's when what he did gets fully utilized and fully manifest and fully taken advantage of. I would hate for Jesus to go through all he went through and then I live on just a little crumb of it. Come on, let's embrace it all.
everything he did, everything he provided. So this day is not only a resurrection day for Jesus, it's my resurrection day too. It's yours. If I see you later and I say, hey, congratulations. And you say, for what? Well, it's Easter. You were raised from the dead today. Because you were in Christ and God credited your sin to him on the cross and he credited his righteousness to you in the resurrection. Praise God. It's as if we did it because he put it to our account. Amen. All right, number three. For a period of my life as a kid, I would always ask my dad, like, hey, can we go fishing? We lived on a lake. And he we couldn't do it. It just would always get put off. And, and I remember that's when he started being gone a lot at night. Um, I didn't know where he was, but, you know, I found out later that he was spending a lot of time at the bar and struggling with alcoholism. I was around 11 or 12 when, when my parents got divorced and then we moved to California. And then after that, you know, we just, we never really talked. The Thursday night, it was January, I think, 18th. Um, Jim Hockaday was here, and uh, he was just teaching more in depth on the power of praying for other people and the Holy Spirit. And he just said, hey, um, everybody specifically pray for someone if, if there's someone that's on your heart. And so I remember just kind of sitting there like going, man, I don't know if there's anyone I can think of to, to pray for right now. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to pray for your dad. And I was like, okay. And so I sent him a text. And I just said, hey, dad, um, I just want you to know I'm praying for you right now. I'm at church, and, and God's going to touch you. And, and that desire to drink is going to leave. You're never going to drink again and, and expect that. Let me know what happens. I never heard from him. And, and come to find out, his phone actually got broken like within a couple days of that time frame. Um, I got a phone call from my mom who heard through another relative and she said, hey, I just want you to know your dad's been sober for like five weeks. Uh, he was coming home after work one day and he told me that he was driving on the freeway and he was pretty drunk. And he said he was trying to drive and, and he would, had to have one eye shut and one eye open to try and like make it home. He said he got home that day and, and something just stirred him to just start praying. He said he, he just hit the ground um, fell on his knees and hands and just asked God to take away that desire. And he said within an instant, that desire completely left him. And after 40 years of um, alcoholism to like pretty much the max, he said it just instantly left. He hasn't had a drink since that moment. That was, well, I think, almost over two months ago. And so I found out he was being baptized um, on top of that. And so I, I flew down to San Diego on a Saturday night and, and walked into his church on a Sunday and, and surprised him and, and watched him get baptized. And I was just thankful that, that I had an opportunity to pray for a guy that never did anything but hurt me. And that God would give me that opportunity to forgive him. And the victory that came in his life and the freedom and the joy that I get to walk in. Because I don't have this anger or this resentment or anything against this person. You know, Jesus doesn't remember any of our sins. How can I remember the things that he did or didn't do to me when he was there or when he wasn't there? He's my, he's my dad. It's up to me to honor him. And again, just to have that opportunity
by God's grace to pray for him and uh, you know just to know that the power that we have in Jesus' name has been extremely humbling. Praise God. I find that quite interesting and amazing. You know, from his dad's side, he decided one day, after getting drunk, he decided to come home and he decided to pray. But that wasn't the whole story, was it? Many people in that situation and that kind of life at times will pray. But this was different. Someone, who, someone else, his son, who, who knew the power of God, who knew that God heard him when he prayed, who knew on a much deeper level than his dad ever did. He, he, he experienced this and he prayed and he, you know, he texted him and said, get ready for a change right here, right now. What's that? The resurrection power is everywhere and I'm going to grab some of it right now and throw it my dad's way. <laughs> and just like that. I mean, amazing. Isn't that amazing? Just like that, the power of God hit him and he calls out and cries out to the Lord and gets set free and then you saw the rest of the, uh, the, the, the story there. But this is how these things work. Jesus is alive. It, that's just a fact. The curse is broken. It just is. Sin has lost its grip. It just has. I don't have to do anything to try to get that to happen. I, can, I don't have any power to overcome these things on myself. In my own strength or my own ability. I don't know how. I can't. But I don't need to because it just is. It's already done. Death and hell and the devil's power is literally broken, defeated, and it's everywhere, available. How does it work? We find a word from God and we act on it. We find a thus saith the Lord and we say, that's a promise to me. I'm going to take that. I'm going to apply that. I'm going to act on it. And what happens then? Just like it's everywhere in the air, all of a sudden I come into contact with it. Taylor's dad just came into contact with it. Brenda came into contact with it for her thyroid thing. And, uh, and they experienced what God wanted to do the whole time. Amen. Amen. We access these things by faith. Taylor texted his dad and said, I'm praying for you now. Expect change. Brenda took a stand on God's word and said, I'm healed. Don spent time in, in God's word. And everything else became easier. But it was already easier, just not for him. But when he intersected that life-giving power, then it came, became real in his life. Hallelujah. And so I'm just, in finishing these things today, listen, Jesus made a choice. He went to the cross on our behalf. It was his decision to lay it all down, to lay his life down for us. It was his choice, and he was then raised up from the dead, and he's alive today. That really put the ball in our court concerning th things that we enjoy or don't enjoy or experience in life. He did it all. He's alive. It's finished. It's done. Now the ball's in, like I said, in your court. What are you going to do with it? What are we going to do? We have a choice to make. We can call upon him. We can accept this. We can declare victory in our own lives and say, because, not because of my own goodness or righteousness or because I deserve it or anything else. Not because I've convinced, you know, 500 people on Facebook to pray for me. No, not for any other reason than Jesus defeated this. Jesus was raised from the dead. He's alive and he did that on my behalf. Because of that, 
I refuse to allow myself to be in that rut and stuck in that position any longer. I will live the victorious life that he called me to. And I tell you, if something will rise up on the inside of you in your life from time to time, from day to day, or even right now as we sit here in this service and something says, yes, bless God, I'm going to be one of those who connects with, who takes advantage of, who utilizes the full benefits of Jesus' resurrection in my life. And I'm going up from here, not down. I'm not going to remain the same. I'm not going to live my life in this, in this up and down and just getting beat up from day to day, but I'm going to access the full power of God just because it's there and because I can. <laughs> Amen. Then do it. Then take it. Then receive it. Then enjoy God's best all of your days. Because I tell you, he is alive. And you and I can be a living testimony, a walking witness, an example of his resurrection life everywhere we go. And over time, people say, what's up with you now? What's going on here? I thought you had this. I thought you were this way. I thought you used to do this. I thought you... And then, and then we say, yeah, yeah, but I was raised from the dead. You remember Easter, don't you? You remember that day. Certainly everyone knows about that. You remember that day? Yeah, I was raised from the dead that day. What, you were? Yeah, I was in Christ. And what he did was credited to my account. And I don't earn it, didn't deserve it. I, I just accepted it. And I took a stand and intersected God's power. Amen. In conclusion, Paul said this in, in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. What you have? You were there on the cross with Christ? Well, not in a physical way, but he said, I was crucified with him. So was I. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. He loved us. He gave himself for us. So we could live in this resurrection life today. Praise God. Praise God.